Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo, how's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. My name is Mark. Uh, my wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. Pray that you're doing well this morning. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. It's good to be in the house. Amen. 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 Well, uh, we are, as you can probably guess from that video, uh, going through a series in the Gospel of John. Uh, we've been making our way through this, and we are currently uh, walking through John chapter 16. Uh, we've been here for a little while as well, uh, and we've been exploring kind of the reality. Of, of, of Jesus' promise to send Holy Spirit to us. So we've been looking into uh, all that that implies, all that that entails, uh, and uh, kind of exploring this, this whole idea and really, really diving into something that for us as a church, and I mentioned this last week, is really a historic part of who we are. And my mic is not working, and the sound loft is looking at me like my mic is not working. Like I need a mic. Um, the online people need me to have a mic, though. So... Um, Wait here. Probably want me to turn the other one off first, don't you? Yeah, see, I'm good at this. I do this for a living, folks. Um, microphones, they're great. Okay, let's just go ahead and jump in. If you've got a Bible or uh, I've got a Bible on your phone, however you choose to have the Bible, let's go to John chapter 16, uh, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. We read it out of the ESV here, so if you have a phone that can kind of switch between versions, it might be easier to follow along. We're going to read a little out of the Passion today as well, but that will be later. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. Uh, we don't stand to our feet to be religious or weird. We do it because we like to make new people feel uncomfortable. No, uh, we do it because we believe that uh, while much may be said today, what we are about to read is the living, active, breathing Word of God. Amen. And so we stand, again, not to be religious, but to show reverence uh, to all that God would say to us. This passage, just so that we're all kind of on the same page, we know kind of where we are. Uh, this is Jesus' last evening uh, before his crucifixion with his disciples. And he's having what I've been trying to stress to us is a very private, intimate conversation. You're getting to eavesdrop in on, on the last conversation Jesus wanted to have with his disciples. So, so this, is, this is a message I say that because it's a message being delivered exclusively to believers. So if, you're, if you have repented and believed the gospel, this is Jesus' message to you. Can I get an amen from some Christians? All right, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, John chapter 16, uh, verses 7 through 16. Uh, get to go one more verse than we've read before. Yay! All right. John 16, uh, verse... <laughs> Verse 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. 
and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12. This is, this is where we're going to kind of be focusing, verses 12 through 16 this morning. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Everybody say all truth. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, Jesus says. Therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Church, let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Come on, can you just thank the Holy Spirit for the word that he delivers to us? Thank you for the written word. Thank you for the whispered word, God, the, the word written in, in the scriptures that you speak to us. But thank you, Holy Spirit, that you don't just leave the words written on the page. You breathe life into them and bring life into our spirits through hearing them. God, we declare that we do not live off of bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. God, we don't want just the old word of the past. We want the fresh baked word for today. We want that which you have for us today. And so we ask God that you would come and you would speak. That in the midst of the words that will be spoken, that we would hear that whisper of your voice. Lord, we did not come here to hear the ramblings of a preacher, to hear the opinions of men. Now we came here because we desperately want to hear your word to us today. In this chaotic world, in this noise-filled atmosphere, in this opinion-driven society, we long to hear what Jesus, you promised the Spirit would bring us into, and that is all truth. So we ask, God, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth that you speak Lord, that we would have the supernatural capacity to hear, that we would have the internal ability to, to receive, to allow your word to do its work at the deepest levels in our souls, that it would, it would, it would, it would reject and remove, it would, it would rebuild, it would tear down, it would build up. God, all that needs to be done within us would be done not by our striving, not by our working, not by our laboring, not by our efforts, but by your supernatural word delivered to us. Give us ears, give us hearts, but Lord, we continue to be bold and ask even for more. We ask for feet to walk out your word. God, that we would be doers of your word, not just hearers only. We reject the religious principle that says if we just show up, listen to a message, check off the boxes that somehow that's all you desire of us. And, and Lord, that's not. You long for us to walk with you every moment of every day. So let us be doers of your word, not just hearers. All for your glory and the good of all people. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Yeah. Come on, everybody said? Yeah. All right, go ahead and greet somebody around you real fast, and then grab yourself a seat.
Amen, amen, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to be talking under the title, Divine Illumination, How Holy Spirit Reveals Reality. Um, I want to focus, as I mentioned while I was reading, I want to focus in specifically on verses uh, 12 through 16. I read all of it so that we, again, I always want to make sure we have context. Uh, I've got a lot to cover this morning, so I'm going to do no real review. So if you need review, uh, do that later. Review after. Uh, it's all on the internet, I promise, uh, much to some people's chagrin and to my embarrassment sometimes. Everything that I've said over the last several years is all chronicled on the internet to be judged by all. How would you like that for your job? Uh, anyways, um, I, I want to kind of zoom in, focus in, and, and kind of narrow our attention into verses 12 through 16. Um, real quick, uh, just by way of, of uh, re- reminder, um, the Bible was not originally written in English. I know Americans get very offended. Um, the, 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 the whole world didn't speak English, you know. Yeah, the whole world doesn't speak English, I know. Um, it's crazy. Uh, I was told by somebody that they, they're, they're, uh, they're actually teaching little babies in China to speak Chinese, which is crazy, because I can't even speak it. Get that joke in about a minute. Um, whole world doesn't speak English. The Bible wasn't written in English, and, and, and that's important to understand. The other thing to understand is that the, the, the chapters and verse numbers that are in your Bible are not divinely inspired. Those were added later for, for our benefit to help us be able to kind of do what we're doing now, right? Study through together. The other thing that you may not realize is the, 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 the um, paragraph divisions aren't in, in the original text either. Those are all, again, added to help us understand. And so the reason I bring that up, you may have noticed, if you, if you follow along with this in the ESV, if you have one of these fancy printed Bibles, you'll, you'll especially notice it, that, that uh, verse 16 is in a different heading under a different uh, uh, a paragraph than the other verses. I think that is not helpful. I think that is something that should be included in the previous. And so uh, one to kind of lump these things together for us. So 12 through 16, the other thing I want to do, um, I've, I've done this a few times before. I find uh, this, uh, passion, what's called the Passion Translation uh, by Dr. Simmons, very helpful for devotional reading. Uh, just, just to pastor you for a second, yes, if you Google stuff, you're going to find out all kinds of people on the internet hate this. Guess what? If you Google long enough, you'll find somebody on the internet that hates you. Okay, um, um, uh, are there issues with this? Absolutely. Um, is it only done by one person? Yes. Is it really a? Is it really? Is it really clear to say that it's a translation? Probably not. It's not really. It's more of what we would call in Bible translation world a paraphrase. Uh, but here's the deal: people get really angry because the, the number one complaint I hear from this is that it was just done by one person. Yeah. Um, you know who else did his own translation of the Bible? Martin Luther. So uh, it's a long history of, of scholars making these. What I find uh, useful for this is what Dr. Simmons, uh, the reason for which Dr. Simmons created it, which was to try to help us English speakers grab a hold of the emotion that's in the Greek that can sometimes get lost when we just try to find the clearest, most direct, most, most literal translation. So, so what I want to do is I want to read verses 12 through 16 to us out of the passion. Can we do that? Yes. Cool. Thank, thanks, for, thanks for saying yes, because I, I was going to do it either way. Um, there is so much more, Jesus says, passion. There is so much more I would like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at the moment. 
But when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. He will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Soon you won't see me any longer. But then, after a little while, you will see me in a new way. Everybody say, in a new way. All right, this, this, this morning, I want to talk to you again, as I mentioned earlier, under the title, Divine Illumination. Jesus here is saying that the Holy Spirit is going to be our illumination. He's going to be the illuminator in the world. That, 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 upon, that upon Jesus' departure and the Holy Spirit's arrival, Holy Spirit will be to us that illumination, that he will reveal reality. I love the way uh, Dr. Simmons uh, translates that here in the Passion, that he reveals, come on, reality. How many of you want to admit that in today's world, we need some help, come on, understanding what reality is? So I get older and older, it gets, it gets more and more confusing to me to try to understand things. I was, I was at the mall yesterday with my daughter because sometimes you just want to be a masochist. And I thought, you know what would be fun is let's go to the mall around holidays and let's just see how saved we really are. Uh, and, and, and we were in some store, I don't remember what store it was, and she kept saying, like, I don't understand this, and I don't understand this, and I don't understand that. She was, it was a younger person's store. And I finally had to look at her and go, sweetie, you're barking up the wrong tree. If you don't understand it, what in the world would make you think I would ever understand it? Like, I've been, conf- I've been pretty much growing in confusion about the world around me for about the last, I don't know, 25 years. It's just getting more and more confusing. I need somebody to illuminate things. And, and all the more we need that when it relates to this, this idea of the Bible, of Scripture, of, of, of walking as sons of God. I was, I was just uh, perusing the Internet, and, and, uh, and because the Internet listens to you, the Internet suggested that I listen to a, a sermon by, by a preacher you may, some of you may or may have heard of. His name is Billy Graham. And I don't know if you know this, but Billy Graham preached a lot. And uh, he preached on the Holy Spirit. And while I was listening to this, this evangelism message, proof that you can preach about the Holy Spirit and still see people get saved. Can I get an amen from anybody? If it worked in Acts, it still works today. Come on. Uh, and he did. He, preach, he preaches about Holy Spirit. And, and wouldn't you know, the altar is still filled with people. But he, he made this statement. And I, I, I transcribed it. I wrote it down because it just blew me away that he would say this. He said, it's impossible to understand the Bible, Christian living, or the structure of the church without understanding something of the person and the work of Holy Spirit. Again, I, I've been trying to hammer on this with all of us, that, that, that saying we are a Holy Spirit people is not saying that we are charismatic or Pentecostal. All Christians, come on somebody, are Holy Spirit people. We, we have to be. There is no, I love this, there, there, there is no understanding of the Bible, no understanding of Christian living, no understanding of the, the structure of the church without the person and work of Holy Spirit. We are absolutely, fundamentally in need, come on, of Holy Spirit. Jesus calls here Holy Spirit the spirit of truth and says he will guide us into all truth. 
It's the same, same Greek word here uh, for truth that is the title of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus says Holy Spirit will lead us into. It's the same because, come on, he, get this, please, get this, please. We're going we're to talk about this, but get it now. Holy Spirit doesn't have truth. He is truth. He's the spirit of truth. So as he's leading us, as he's guiding us, which we're probably going to talk about next week, we'll, we'll unpack this idea of, of what it means to be guided by Holy Spirit. But when he's guiding us, he's guiding us, come on, into himself. He's not like taking us somewhere and then just letting us go wander. But he's guiding us, he's leading us to himself. Truth. Truth. He says he's guiding us into truth. Let's do a little bit of Greek study here. Um, Aletheia is the Greek word here for truth. And here's what I want us to understand. It is simultaneously both objective and subjective truth. This is great because it makes everybody angry. Because all, all the, come on, come on, all the conservative fundamentalists in the room are like, yeah, he leads us into truth. And truth is objective. It's always the truth. It's nothing but the truth. So help you God. It is ugh, America. And, and that's, we, we, want, we want solid, firm, only, ever. That's it. Boom, truth, and it's absolutely that, amen? So hallelujah, all you conservative fundamentalists. It is that kind of truth. And then you've got more of the progressive, more, more of the, 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 the floaty people, and they're like, well, you know, we gotta know kind of more of the subjective stuff, and we've gotta kind of know, because it can be true here, it can be true there, and what about in this situation, what about that situation? Here's the amazing thing about this word, Lathia, it means both. It is both objective truth and subjective truth. It means what is true in any matter, but it's also truth as a personal excellence. Here's what I want you to understand. Truth, in order to be reality, has to be both objective and subjective. So the one that you like, praise God, it gets to be that one. The one that makes you uncomfortable, praise God, it gets to be that one too. You're welcome. Preaching the Bible. What do I mean by this? What, what does it mean to say that he leads us into all truth, he leads us into truth that's subjective and object, objective and subjective? By objective, what I mean is, is he imparts principles upon which we can build our lives. So yes, Holy Spirit's like a wind, Holy Spirit's like a river, and it's all this floaty stuff, but there are, there are solid, come on, foundational principles upon which you can build your life. Stable things that don't come and don't go, don't shift and don't, don't change. They are stable. They are solid. You can build your life on them. Jesus says, come on, that when we build our life upon his word, it's like building your life on a rock. You know, I was, I was reading that this week in Matthew, and I was, I was struck by something that I, I, I'm sure y'all have all seen this before because y'all are way better than me, but, but I'd never noticed this before. Two, two things. One, one this, is, this is just free extra, by the way. Uh, one, have you ever thought about the difference between sand and rocks? Sand is really, when you look at it, it's just a bunch of little rocks. It's just tiny, itty-bitty little rocks. What is that? that that's us, come on, Picking and choosing what we want to believe. Picking and choosing out of truth what it is we want. But what happens is there's no, come on, there's no, there's no cohesion to that. There's no strength to it. And so as you step, come on, on sand, it, come on, shifts. So when we say we build our lives upon the rock, it means we, we go to the truth, the principles that he imparts, and we don't try to break them apart from one another and say, well, I like this one, but I don't like that one. But here was the bigger thing that I noticed that I'd never seen before. The environmental circumstance of both people was the same. That means 
that, that the TV preacher that told you, build your life on the rock and it will always be sunny, was just trying to get money from you. The promise is not, if you build your life upon the principles of God's word, you will avoid all problems, storms, difficulties, and hardships. No, no, no. The promise is that when those things come, come on, beloved, when those things come, there will be a stability that will enable you to make it through the storm. Come on. The promise is not pick Jesus and all your wildest dreams will come true. So yes, he gives us foundational principles. It is right and good for us as sons of God to seek out those principles, to learn those principles, and to build our lives upon them. And at the same time, subjectively, when we talk about subjectiveness, it means it's not just about acquiring these truths, but rather learning how to apply these truths. So let me say it this way. Holy Spirit comes and he teaches us how to live our life and he also shares with us his perspective on our lives. So you can, you, 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 you've got to have Holy Spirit so that you can know, come on, that you, you can ignore, come on, the noise, the, 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 the static, the, the buzz of our current situation and you can have some principles to live on. But you also need Holy Spirit so that, come on, you can know in a specific situation how it is that you're supposed to apply that principle. Let me, let me, let me, let me, try, to, let me try to show you this. You can read Proverbs, the book of wisdom, right? I think, I think that if, if God's gonna give us a book filled with wisdom, I think there's gonna be some principles in there that we can build our lives on. Okay. Did you know that in the, in the book of, of Proverbs, it says this, that you shouldn't answer a fool according to his folly lest he become wise in his own eyes. Wisdom. So that therefore, I never should, if, if somebody's a fool and tries to argue with me, I shouldn't, I shouldn't engage with them, right? That's what the Bible says. But then, just a few verses down, it says, always answer a fool according to his folly, lest he think himself wise. <laughs> Which one is it? The answer, like all answers, is yes. You... You, this, is, this is why, come on, this is why the, Billy said, right, you've got to have, come on, you can't have an understanding of the Bible without Holy Spirit. You just can't. It's impossible. We need him. We need him. So, so if I was going to try to summarize, what, what, do we, what do we mean then? But when you say truth, here's, here's what I want to say. Holy Spirit reveals reality. Whatever that reality might be, he reveals that reality. He's the illumination. Have you ever noticed how much how much better things are when the lights are on? If you don't believe me, try walking around a building like this at about four o'clock in the morning like I did this morning and trying to convince yourself that there aren't ninjas in the dark trying to kill you. <laughs> I've shared this story before, but, but I, I, I just, my wife and I had, had this was, this was uh, about almost 20 years ago, we'd moved into a house. Yes, we were married. Um, yeah, we've been married a long time. It's what happens when you get married when you're like 19. Um, we moved into this new house, and, and, and y'all know new houses, right? They all have, they have here's the, the new houses have new noises. And if you're, if you're like me, noises at night wake you up, because again, there are always ninjas trying to break into my house. I haven't caught any of them yet, but I'm sure they've tried. And I know they do because they move my keys. 
they just break. They're not trying to hurt me. They just move in, move my keys, and then, and then, but they tell my wife where they are. They just don't tell me where they are. Um, and one night we're in this new house and, and I'm not sleeping very well because there's all these weird creaky noises and all this stuff and then the, the, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I'm, and I'm trying to convince myself, right? Because you wake up, you're like, just calm down, go back to sleep. But this time I woke up because of some weird noise and then I heard what I knew the sound of, which was the, our, the back door in this house opened. Stuff just got real. So I, 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 get, I get up, being, being you know, the man of the house, I get up, and, and I'm like, okay, here we, here we go. And I, I come out, and I'm like, I'm sure, I'm just hearing stuff. And I, I look out, and, and sure enough, like, nope, back door is wide open. This was like a rancher house, so our, our bedroom was at the end of the hallway, and I can see the back door. And I'm like, oh, here we it's, it's go time. And I got whatever device I had at the time to defend my house, probably a baseball bat or a giant knife or I don't know what, and went to fight the ninjas. I'm like, let's go. So I go around, we, we, you know, my, my wife and my daughter in the end of the hallway, so I'm like, okay, they're safe. If I just keep going this way, I'll find the ninjas and I'll be able to win. Or pirates, I don't know, they could have been pirates. And, uh, and I'm going and I'm, I'm looking around, I'm trying to find, I check, I'm checking all the rooms, they're not here, they're not there, they're not here, I check the garage, I'm like, no, and I, I go and shut the door and I shut it, I'm like, oh, lock it, yeah, and I walk away and it goes, poof, and opens back up. I'm like, oh, that's how this house works. So it's not ninjas, it's ghosts. No. Um, so I shut the door and like got something to put in front of it and like, okay, done, we're good, we're good, okay. Whew. And I'm thinking, look at me, I, I defended my home. And I turn and I walk down the hallway and as I turn and look down the hallway, there's a person standing at the end of my hallway. And it's not my wife because this person's like, like, like me, like as tall as me, like sit the hallway. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I got my thing ready and I was like, hey, and I went like this, and they went like this, and I went like this, and they went like this, and I went like this, and then I realized my wife had hung a very large framed picture at the end of the hallway that in the dark had become a mirror. So I chased the guy out by turning the light on and uh, went back to bed and never told my wife that story until I used it as a sermon illustration years later. In the dark, come on, things get weird, right? We act weird, things act weird, things look different. But come on, when you turn the light on, it's not a monster, it's not a ninja, it's not a ghost, it's not even a pirate, it's just your stupid self staring back at you because you're not good at noticing when your wife hangs stuff up. <laughs> Holy Spirit comes to be that light, come on, that, that, that illuminates and reveals, come on, reality. He reveals reality to us. So my question then real fast before we get into the specifics is, is, is what reality does Holy Spirit reveal to us? Let's go to the text. Jesus says that he will lead us into all truth. Everybody say all. all. Okay. Here's where, we get to, here's where we get to unpack some stuff. Yes, the word all in Greek means the same thing it means in English. It means all. However, there's, there's some nuance to this word that, that Jesus uses to say all. Because yes, it means all, but more specifically, it means some of all types. Or some of all kinds. Let, 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 me, let me explain and also simultaneously humble brag and make anybody, specifically, I'm going to guess, mostly dudes who grew up in the 80s really jealous for a second. When I was growing up, I was a child of the 80s. I had all, all of the G.I. Joe action figures. No, 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 no. 
and all of the vehicles. My friends would come over and they'd be like, dude, and, and by the way, all the, all the dudes in the room, like, yes, I had, no, I, the truth is I didn't have one aircraft carrier. I had two aircraft carriers. And yes, it was just as big and glorious as it looked in the commercials. I used to sleep on it. That's how big it was. I don't have them. If I did have them, my children wouldn't have to pay for college. Um, no, so I don't, I don't have any more, but I, but I had all of them. Now, now you, you go, well, you didn't have all of them because I had some of them. Yes. Now you understand the complexity of the word all. When Holy Spirit says he will, when Jesus says Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, he doesn't mean every of all of the truths. He means some of every type. So what I want to do is, is we, we could spend literally all, all our lives and ought to spend all of our lives exploring the truth that Holy Spirit reveals to us. What I want to do is just tie it to the truth that Jesus here shows us in this text, in these verses, specifically 12 through 16, what, are the, what is the truth, come on, that Holy Spirit is going to lead us into? The first, he reveals the reality of our interior world. He reveals the reality of of our interior world. He says, you can't bear this truth that I desire to give you, you can't bear it now. Here's what I need you to understand about that. Jesus isn't saying that his disciples were too stupid to understand it. That's not what he means. What he's talking about is not an intellectual uh, understanding, but rather an internal uh, 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 structure capable of actually bearing the weight of it. This means that Jesus withholds good when our capacity to carry it is less than that which is necessary to bear it. See, more good than you're capable of carrying isn't good. Anybody who's gone on a hike has learned this. If you've gone on a long trip, like a long, like if you've hiked up into the mountains to camp, you find out really fast more than you are capable of carrying isn't good. More than your capacity to carry is not a blessing to you. I've said this to you before. I'll keep saying it to you. Jesus, come on, reveals that, that the Lord is always and only. This is what theologians call the immutable goodness of God. There's nothing else in God except for good. And that means he, he only and always gives us good. And I, I want to pastor you here a little bit, and I want to help you. This, this is meant to help you. If you're struggling because you're going, well, I see this good thing, and I don't have it. I'm not denying that that thing may or may not be good. We're not going to argue about that. What I'm saying is if the Lord hasn't given it to you, it is not good for you. Be that because it is beyond your capacity to bear it, or, or, or it's lower than the maturity level that he's called you to. Come on, somebody. So Jesus here is saying, look, I desire to give this thing to you. I want to talk to you about this. I so long to share with you this truth, but, but if I shared it with you now, you would not be able, come on, to bear it. You wouldn't be capable of handling it, which means that God doesn't change. We change. And this is so important to me that we understand Am I the only one that in one season of my life, come on, the Lord seemed to say one thing to me, and in another, he seemed to say something else. Well, did he change? Who changed? I did. There were seasons of my life where things were permissible to me, and other seasons of my life where they were not. Now, you can call that legalism, 
but I call it being led by the Spirit. You can call that being wishy-washy. I call it being led by the Spirit. Again, are there principles? Come on, come on, come on. Objective and subjective, both. Not either or. Not pick and choose. Subjective isn't I get to pick and choose what the objective truth I like and that make that my subjective truth. Not talking about that. We're talking about, about being led, come on, being guided by Holy Spirit. Do I want to say this? Yeah, I do. An unwillingness or an inability to flex, shift, change, move is not a sign of spiritual maturity. It's a sign of death. I say this because we can sometimes think that if we admit that we're learning new things, that that somehow makes us immature. Like, like we should have all of our doctrine figured out and settled by now. And so since we don't, since you don't, you just pretend like you do. That's not a way to grow in spiritual maturity. That's a way to die. Again, I shared this last week. I just, I just want to pastor us for a second. This, is, this, is, this isn't from the text this morning, but just let me. If I were to pull this church, my prayer would be that that those that call this church their home church, if I were to pull you, if I were to ask and say, do you want to see signs, wonders, and miracles flowing in and through your own life? Do you want to be able to pray for sick people and they get healed? Do we want to see blind eyes open? Do we want to see marriages restored? Do we want to see mental health brought back? Do we want to see things, the stuff we saw in Acts, do we want to see that in our lives? I pray that we would all say yes, amen, and be a little bit more excited than you are right now. We, we, we like we like the idea of the empowerment of the Spirit. Let me, do we like the idea of the empowerment of the Spirit? Are we willing to follow the path laid out for us in Acts, which started with the embarrassment of the Spirit? Because before they were raising dead people, they were being told that they looked out of order and like they were drunk. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what the Bible shows. And, and here's, here's the part that really bothers me. And I think, I, I think, I think, do y'all ever do this? Do you ever wonder what it would have been like in the Bible if it was now? Like, I wonder what YouTube people would have said about Acts 2. Because here's the deal. Peter got up. They all looked like they're drunk. Peter gets up, and he goes, no, 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 they're not, they're not drunk, they're not drunk, they're not drunk. This is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And then proceeds to list a bunch of things that he says all of that is, of which none of it was taking place. There's an old man dream, dreams, like everyone's awake, nobody's dreaming a dream, but he goes, no, this is, this is, this is that. It's like, uh, Peter, let me explain how biblical hermeneutics works to you. You're doing it wrong, apostle. The internet YouTubers would go nuts. 
the blogosphere would just be abuzz with how bad it was. Twitter would have a field day. Christian Twitter, they would love that. They would talk about how nobody should be joining this weird cult church happening in, in, in Jerusalem because they claim to be interpreting scripture, but what we see is, no, no, you've gotta be willing, come on, with no evidence to say, this is what the Lord is calling us to do and be, and be willing to be embarrassed before we're able to be empowered. And as long as we're back in, we say, hey, as soon as you do something, I'm, I'm happy to jump on the ship. That was all free, by the way. He says we're not able to bear it. What is it that makes us able to bear it? By, by, the, by the work of Jesus, amen? By what's about to happen, right, in the next few chapters that in the next 10 years we'll get to. And by the coming, maybe 20. Um, by, the coming of, by, by the work of Jesus, by the coming of the Spirit, we are made able, come on, to bear, we are made ready to bear the weight of the revelation that Jesus is saying here. Again, bear does not mean intellectual intelligence, but rather structural integrity. That's why I like the way it says it in the way I like the, I like the way it says it in, in the, the passage. He says you're not able to grasp it. Right? You're not, you're not able to hold on to that thing. What, because of two things. Because of its weight, come on, principles, and because it's wiggly. Right? You, 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 lack, you, lack the, you lack the strength and you lack the skill to hold on to this thing. But he's saying that there is one, there is one who's coming, that he will be the one to be able to make you be able to bear it. So the first thing he reveals is the reality of our interior world. Next, he reveals the reality of the new covenant and of our new creation. This one we, we want, want, give, give me a little bit of time here for a second. Uh, Jesus says that, that he will reveal to you things which are to come. And all my charismatic friends in the room are like, yeah, 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 yeah. he's talking about fortune-telling prophecy. How the Holy Spirit will, will tell us the future. And, and while absolutely, please hear me, absolutely, we're a church that believes in, in, the, in the, that type of application of the word prophecy or prophetic. But I don't think contextually you can make that argument from what Jesus just said. That he's saying that when, when the spirit of truth comes, he will tell you about the future. I don't think that's what, I don't think you can make that argument for the text. I think what Jesus is, is trying to help them understand is he's going to tell you about what has happened, the things which are from their perspective to come. Because again, you have to understand that the, the, these were good Jewish boys that knew their Old Testaments very, very well. But what was about to happen was going to take a supernatural ability to see beyond just what was physically happening and understand the supernatural ramifications of that which was happening. They needed to understand the new covenant that they were stepping into and the new creation that they were made into. Yes, God knows the future, and yes, sometimes he reveals it to us. Amen? But I don't think that's what he means here. He's talking about the things which are to come from their perspective and what is fulfilled from our perspective. There's, there's no way, think about this. If Jesus were to, to sit all these guys down right now and just lay out for them what was about to happen over the next 40 days, literally goo would start just coming out of their ears. There's no way they could possibly grasp what he would be talking about. Even as he, even as he described it, they'd just be like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. 
I don't understand, right? What he's saying is that, that, that there's one that's going to come and he's going to be able to reveal these things to you. What am I saying? I'm saying that Holy Spirit is the essential agent in new covenant living. He is the essential agent in new covenant living. Now, I, I, I did this last, last week and uh, I'm not gonna do it again. This, this, I didn't come up with this list um, and I'm not claiming that it's 100% exhaustive, uh, but, but uh, Dr. Kevin Connor in his book on doctrine, talking about Holy Spirit, what Holy Spirit does specifically in the New Testament, lists off these as just, a, may, maybe all, but I don't think so, what Holy Spirit does, what you need Holy Spirit to do as a part of the new covenant. Bring about your new birth, indwell you, give you uh, assurance of your salvation, fill you with himself, baptize you with himself, speak to you, open yourself, all of this stuff. By the way, we had some requests that people said, can we get that in print? Sure, they're over at guest services this week, so you can grab one of those if you want one with the scripture references. Or you can just buy Kevin Connor's book on, on the foundations of the Christian faith and doctrine, and you can just read the whole thing and cure your insomnia. Um, so, so this is why I say, listen, Holy Spirit is the essential agent. If you deleted Holy Spirit from the new covenant, you'd have to delete all of that. And thing one, top left, left, left one, means you aren't in the new covenant. If you're not born again, come on, Jesus says you're not a part of the kingdom. You're not a part of the new covenant. So therefore, he is the essential agent in the new covenant. We see this also in, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You, you need Holy Spirit, come on, to be that agent among you. Or, or let, let's go back and look at Billy Graham, right? He says, it's impossible to have any understanding of the Bible, Christian living, or the structure of the church without Holy Spirit. We need him. He is that agent. What, 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 is, what, is, what, is, what is Paul saying here? Which, by the way, rabbit trail, run down it with me, it's fun. Isn't it interesting that None of the epistles, the, the letters written to us by the apostles, which by the way, fun, fun, another rabbit trail. Uh, when I was first saved, I literally heard the, the word epistles and I thought that was the apostles' wives. In case you're feeling like you don't fit in around church, neither did I. People were like, well, you know what the epistles said. I'm like, I didn't know we knew what they said. So, so here's just interesting. None of, none, of, none of the writings of the apostles are unpacking the sermons of Jesus. Why? Because they were being led, come on, into all truth. They're being led by the Spirit, unpacking for us what, it was, what was happening, come on, in this new covenant living, in this new covenant idea. What they're saying is this, what, what Paul's saying is this, that, that, that our guide in the new covenant is not the law, but it's the spirit. Man, man we, we don't get that. The thing that distinguished Israel from all other people was the law. The thing that distinguishes you from all other people is not the law, it's the spirit. It's not the principles upon which you build your life. Are there principles upon which you should build your life? But guess what? Those principles work for unbelievers too. What distinguishes us is not the principle, it's the principle giver. It's that the Spirit dwells with us, dwells in us. The thing that distinguishes us is the Spirit. All of the sons of God are led by the Spirit. Holy Spirit is the essential agent in the new covenant. He's also the essential agent in our new creation. 
The next verse, verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Man, I, I, I could preach on this truth for the rest of my life and be more than happy. Y'all would be bored, I would be happy. Because to me, this is the most scandalous piece of the atonement, of the work of Christ. Forgiven, I can, I can kind of wrap my head around that. God in his goodness would forgive us. Freedom, I can kind of wrap my head around that. Yeah, 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 he's gonna, he's gonna free me from the sin that bound me that I've been forgiven of. Okay, freedom and, and, and forgiveness, those things are kind of related. So yeah, the work of Jesus forgives me for my sin, frees me from my sin, awesome. I can even start to understand that that, that that work will begin to form me into something different than I once was so that I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm freed, and I'm formed. But then you push this and say, no, 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 he doesn't just forgive you, he doesn't just free you, he doesn't just form you, he makes you his family. I have the spirit, and I'm pretty sure goo's about to start pouring out of my ears. Like, that's just, that's beyond my capacity to grasp his goodness. Because, listen, 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 I have given him nothing but reasons to not want me in his family. And I know what it's like to have people in my family that I don't want in my family. I know y'all all love your families. You're just so excited about Thanksgiving. My family might be watching, so I'm super excited about Thanksgiving too. And that's all we're going to say about that. But, but that he, come on, that, that not just in spite of all of those things, but it appears that because of those things, because of my brokenness, he comes. He makes us family. Again, let's, let's go to the passion because I just, I just love this. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. Come on. If you were struggling to find a reason to worship before, exhibit A. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Come on. Yes, he's the agent in our new covenant. I'm glad, come on, I'm glad that there's a new covenant. But don't think that what Jesus and Holy Spirit do is make sure, oh, you got all your paperwork in order. Well, you know, we made sure that you dot all the T's, cross all the I's, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 that's not what he does. He actually makes you family. He actually makes you be able to, when you see the Father, you don't get scared and run, but you go, Dad, Abba, beloved Father. Hey, that's, that's my dad. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to worry about not measuring up. I don't have to worry. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Let, let's get where we really live. I don't have to worry about how clean the house is. 
I don't, I don't have to worry about how, 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 how well I'm doing at my job and if God's really going to be happy with me or not. I don't have to worry about, did I, did I raise my hands at the wrong time? Did I, did I sing loud enough? Did I, do it? did I read enough Bible verses? Did I pray long enough? Did I, was I nice enough to that sweet little old lady? Was I mean enough to the people that I think I'm supposed to be mean to? What? Come on, come on, come on. We're free from all that. Well, we talked about this months ago, right? right? We get rid of Ishmael. We get rid of self-effort. We stop being intimate with, with legalism, with Haggai, right? We, we, we break all that off and we get it out of our lives and we inherit, come on, joy and spirit-filled living. That's Isaac. We, we, we become new in him. We get included in the family of God, which, which leads us nicely to our next thing. He reveals the reality of Trinitarian intimacy. Jesus says, all the Father has is mine. All the Father has is mine. Holy Spirit is God. Not, not, not a part of God, not a piece of God, not a manifestation of God, not the of God. He is God. Which means... Holy Spirit exists in, in what we talk about here, the swirl of God, right? The, 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 the Trinity, perfect love. If, I, if you ask me to define, to help explain Trinity, here's what I'm gonna say. The, God, as the triune God, is perfect love, loving 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 perfect love. It is God in himself being perfect love. Holy Spirit exists in that swirl, Amen. And what Jesus here is saying is this. He says, whatever he hears, he'll, he'll share with you. He'll take whatever's mine, he'll give it to you. And by the way, whatever's mine is the Father's. Here's what, here's what I hear as he's saying that. Holy Spirit is gonna let you eavesdrop in on the heart and intimate conversation of God himself. You, you get to like listen in. Intimacy, relationship with Holy Spirit is not supposed to be just this one-way thing. You're supposed to be hearing as much as you're supposed to be saying. We get to, we get to, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, we get to eavesdrop in on divine conversations. Does nobody else find that absolutely crazy? He's like, yeah, whatever he hears... He's just going to tell you. Like, is he allowed to do that? Yeah. Because you're family. He wants you involved in what he's doing. That doesn't happen by accident. This happens on purpose. This happens for a purpose. And you know one of the number one things you should be hearing? How loved you are by him. That, that, that is not wishy-washy, greasy, 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 greasy preaching. That's Bible. Prove it, preacher. Okay, I will. I'm just going to hang out in Romans today, apparently. Romans chapter 5. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through what? Who's been given to us. So what is it I should be hearing as he's, as the spirit of truth, as Holy Spirit is there? What should be being poured into my heart? What should I be hearing? What's the frequency that I should be receiving? You are loved by God. He loves you. He loves you. 
He loves you. Okay. Okay. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Whatever he hears, he'll, he'll, he'll say to you. That means, that means right now, God's having a conversation about you. Like in, in himself, he's talking about you. And if you're a child of God, here's what he's saying. Man, I love them. I love them. I think about Job. Not the part of Job that confuses everybody, but the beginning part of Job. Where, where, where God is, is surrounded by the heavenly hosts. Man, I wish I had time to preach on that, but I don't. Surrounded by the heavenly hosts. <laughs> and the accuser comes in. And God, God finds Job so fascinating, he can't even help talking to Job's enemies about Job. He's like, have you considered Job? He's stinking awesome. Which gets Job in a whole bunch of trouble. Which is my way of saying, just because God loves you, doesn't mean your life is all going to be wonderful. It means he loves you, amen? He reveals to us the reality of Trinitarian intimacy, this intimacy that we are invited into. Last but absolutely not least, he reveals the reality of Jesus' divinity, authority, and majesty. Jesus says, Holy Spirit will glorify him. He will glorify me. Jesus is God and therefore shares the glory of God. To glorify is not to puff up or to speak well of. It's not to flatter. If you look up the Greek word and you, you, you chase out its roots, it literally means to, to expose or to show. When we talk about the glory of God, we're not just talking about goosebumps, we're not just talking about feel goods, we're not just talking about the way that it makes us feel. What we mean when we say the glory of God is when we put the nature of God on a stage, we call that thing that's on that stage his glory. When the nature of God is put on display, we call it glory. That's why it is right for us to stand here and worship and just say, you are holy, you are worthy, you are beautiful, you are awesome, you are powerful, you're magnificent, you're awe-inspiring. That's why it's okay to just make part of your worship just declaring the names of God. It's putting his nature on display, showing forth his glory. Jesus is God and therefore shares his glory. Jesus is God, therefore he shares all the authority of God. Holy Spirit declares and demonstrates the, this authority by speaking only what he hears. Jesus is fully God, therefore he is beautiful. Therefore he is majestic. In his earthly form, this majesty was veiled. And for some, the scriptures tell us, it's still veiled. We see this in the, the, the latter verse here, verse 16. He says, a little while and you will see me no longer, and then you will see me. These, these words sees are two different Greek words for see. The first means to be a spectator. The latter means to behold. See, it's, it's, it's one thing to just sort of see Jesus, to just sort of perceive him, to, to, to be a spectator of Jesus, to be a, 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 uh, one who's searching or looking. That, that's great, that's good, that's nothing wrong with that. Here, these disciples have been doing that. But it's another thing Jesus says, no, no, once Holy Spirit comes, then you will behold me. I think about the mountain of transfiguration. Where, where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain, and they see the veil, come on, of Jesus removed. 
I love the way Mark describes it. Mark describes it. He says that, that Jesus' clothes became wider than any bleach on earth could make them. The implication in the Greek is that the, the, the clothes themselves became not only a reflection of light, but a source of light. That's why bleach couldn't get it. You can't get stuff that this white. It, it literally, he became light because he is light. This is what happens when Holy Spirit reveals this. And, and I, lo- I love it because they, they, see, they see Jesus. And, and does anybody else, is anybody else like me, when you, if, if heaven's like it is in the comic books, which I don't think it is, um, when you get to heaven, are you going to go up and just bear hug Peter? Because he says all the stupid stuff you would have said. They, they have this amazing supernatural encounter with God on the top of a mountain. Literally, Jesus is there, clothes become so white, he's literally glowing, and then Elijah and Moses show up. The prophet and the law, they show up, and they're all talking, and they're all worshiping Jesus. And Peter goes, you know, it's really good that we're here. This seems appropriate that I would be here. Like eight minutes ago, I was, you called me Satan, but now, like... You know what we should do, Jesus? We should build some tents and we should all live here together. You know what seems appropriate? The six of us should be roommates. Because this totally seems like we're all on the same plane. And I just want to like bear hug Peter. Like, thanks, man, because you stopped me from saying stupid stuff. This is great. Thanks for chewing on your foot so I didn't have to chew on mine. But here's what, here's what, here's what Abba says. He goes, this is my son. Listen to him. This is my son. Listen to him. What does Holy Spirit do? He reveals the reality of Jesus' divinity, authority, and majesty. Holy Spirit gives you supernatural sight. Sum it all up. Holy Spirit gives you supernatural sight. Am I the only one, come on, that needs clarity today? Man, I need clarity. I'm just being honest. I, I, I know I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to know. No, I need clarity today. I don't know. They can make videos that lie now. Like, like they, 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 like it's, it's ridiculous. More than ever before. Come on. With all the opinions, with all the noise, with all the stuff, with all the, with all that screaming at us, with all of the flash and lights and wow and noise, all, all of it. I need clarity. Come on. I want this to be a house where we see clearly. I know, I know we, we want to we get to the power, the wonder, the awe, the, all that stuff, but come on, if we're not willing to embrace this stuff, to be able to see and go, I know everybody else says this is what it is, but man, I'm telling you, that's not what it is. I know everybody else is saying this is a good thing. I'm telling you it's a bad thing. I know everybody else is telling you this is a bad thing, it's a wrong thing, it's a dumb thing. I'm telling you this is the good thing. We need to be a house, come on, of supernatural clarity. Because this city does not need one more church with one more opinion. It needs a people that can stand up and say, this is that. And I pray that, listen, listen, I I ended with this last week, I'll end with it now. I pray that for all churches here, but I don't get to be the pastor of any other church. Thank you, Jesus. I'm only the pastor of this house, so I'm gonna talk to us. I hope that all the, I hope all other churches are pushing into this as well, but if they're not, I don't care. 
I know there are some. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that we're unique and we're the only ones. And blah, blah, blah. No, 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 come on. God has lots of wonderful people here with lots of wonderful churches here and then some other churches. Let's stand to our feet before I say something else dumb. I don't take it back, though. Um, Amen. Holy Spirit reveals reality. As we respond, here, here's what I, I want us to do. Again, we've, we've, been, we've been doing this, and I'm going to keep doing it, and we're going to do it even more in the future. And that's push us to practice. Okay? So if Holy Spirit is the one who reveals reality, and I, again, I read it to us out of the passion because I love the way he does this. He reveals it within us. Amen? So I want to give us some time to just to ask this question of you, give you some time to contemplate it, to commune with Holy Spirit and ask him to, to answer this for you. Where is it that you need Holy Spirit to reveal reality to you? Where is it that you need him to, to be the illumination? Come on. In your own heart and in your own life. Not, come on, come on, come on. Not in the world out there and, oh yeah, the, you know, the, the team that I don't like really needs to get the right. No, 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 I'm talking about you. Do you struggle to, to, to know the reality, come on, of your status as new creation? Do you struggle to, to know the reality of the beauty and the, and the authority and the majesty of Jesus? Do you find other things more attractive than Jesus? That's how you know if you struggle to find the reality of his beauty. Do you struggle to know that you are loved by the Father? Do you struggle to know Come on, maybe, maybe let's just get more practical. Do you, do you struggle to know? You're, you, some of you right now, you're at a fork in the road, left or, or right. Do I zig or do I zag? And you go, I, I, can, I can make lists of principles. Come on, he's not just objective truth, he's subjective truth. He'll lead you. Come on, he'll guide you. I believe Holy Spirit wants to speak to hearts this morning to reveal reality. Specifically feel like there are, there are people here, as I, as I said earlier, that you are loved by God. That he literally is, is having a conversation that he wants you to eavesdrop in on. Some of you, you bristle at that because all you can think of is the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation that you have buried yourself under. And that maybe even, yes, I'll say it, preachers and religious people, and maybe they had good intentions, but they tried to bury you under that guilt and shame as well. And I'm here to tell you that you are loved. No, I'm gonna say it this way. You are infinitely loved by infinite love. I'm not making excuses for what you did. I'm telling you that the solution to what you did is not found in you feeling sorry for it, but you running into the arms of the one who you were created for. 
Holy Spirit welcomes you back to the place that you were created from and created for. Let us make man in our image. You were born out of the heart of the Father, out of the heart of God, out of the swirl of the divine Trinitarian perichoresis, the unity and the union of God himself. You are born out of that, and you were born for that. And you will never know satisfaction until you find it there. Maybe that's you this morning, and you just need Holy Spirit to reveal that reality. We're going to take some time this morning and just practice. Just practice listening to him, team's going to lead us in singing. We're going to open up our response as we do every week because we believe it's right and good. Come on, to respond when we hear. And, and let, me, let me say this. We did a series on this a while back. I want to say this. The way that we respond are not religious rituals. They're, they're things given to us by the Lord in the scriptures as, as touch points where his grace meets us. So we celebrate. Even in our sorrow, we celebrate. I got to attend a, a memorial service of a, a pastor friend of mine uh, about a week ago. And I loved to see even his wife and children in the front row with their arms raised worshiping Jesus. Even in the midst of their sorrow, we, even in the midst of sorrow, we celebrate. Celebration. And he, come on, he meets us there. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into this room, stood roughly right there. And in hardship, difficulty, trial, pain, confusion, in the midst of worship, been met by Holy Spirit. Reveals reality and all of a sudden, wow, things aren't what I thought they were. Contemplation. God meets us as we meditate upon him. Amen? He meets us there. It's not a religious ritual. It's a place where we meet him. And communion. Communing one with another. If you, if you want somebody to stand and pray with you, believe God with you, to reveal reality, whatever other need you might have, we have a prayer team that will meet you over the cross. They will love to pray with you, to stand with you. We believe that's a touch point where God will meet you in that place. It's not just a charismatic thing. It's, it's a Bible thing. Amen? And yes, the Lord's table. This, is one, this one's hard for us because it can feel so, so religious, but come on, it is, it is the thing that reminds us of what makes all this covenant and new birth, this new creation, this new covenant possible. His broken body, his shed blood. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna respond. The team's gonna lead us. Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, I thank you that your presence does not leave us or forsake us. You're not like others, Lord. You're holy. You don't come and you don't go. You abide and you remain. We're asking, Holy Spirit, that right now you would begin to reveal reality to your people. God, to those that are far from you right now, for those that don't know you, you would reveal the reality of their need to repent and believe that you would change hearts and minds, even right now, that you would give that gift to admit and abandon this, their sin, to embrace and entrust you, that they would cry out to you and be born again this day. For your people, Lord, that you would meet them in this moment, wherever they, whatever they might need, whatever, whatever fog might be in their life. Spirit of the living God, we, we declare clarity of sight 
to your people today. That they would know what it is that you're doing. I pray specifically for those here today that they're, they're just confused. They don't understand what you're doing. Things aren't going as planned. Things aren't going according to schedule. Things aren't going according to the, their desires and they're wondering. They, they've even been praying. God, what are you doing right now? Holy Spirit, would you speak to hearts? Supernatural clarity of sight in Jesus' name. Give us the patience to wait, Lord, to abide. Let us see what it is you're saying. Clarity, clarity, clarity. Supernatural sight. Oh, that we would be a people, Lord, that would embrace embarrassment if it's the pathway to empowerment. Let us not miss the empowerment you have for us because the journey looks embarrassing. Let us not back off because of what others might say. Let us not back off even because of what we might say. We are your sons, and therefore we are led by the Spirit. We are your sons, therefore we are led by your Spirit. Church, let's respond to the Lord.